singing the same old song. song. I know every, I know crack, every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Broadway. Where hustle's the name of the game, and nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain. <laughs> Walt's so not amused by this. Everybody, like a rhinestone cowboy. Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. Yes, welcome everybody to episode 89 of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Richard Greenfield, Walter Pysik, cowboy up. Episode. That cowboy hat makes you look like uh, Steve Martin in that movie where his son, he's throwing a birthday party for his son. What I thought you were going to go to Three Amigos. No. What? That's where I thought like you family. were going. He's, he's like a where dad. The, where the kid like bugs out. What, the kid what is, has some, what is the kid that? Has some, he has like ADD or something. Yeah. I can't remember what the name movie, of that movie. What movie was that? The Jerk? No. No. The jerk too? No. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I hope somebody comes in with this. I know exactly. It's like parenthood. That's what it is. It's probably what it is. It's par- it's parenthood. Well, I, I could I could take the cowboy hat off. I just needed to um give some love to Yellowstone, which I continue to watch. I'm now on season two, episode number. Are, are you the youngest viewer of Yellowstone? Oh, definitely not. Definitely I mean, not. It is a little soap opera esque, especially like in the latter like, part like, of season one. Um, you're definitely but, bringing the average age down. I'm not that young, Rich. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, to me, it feels like a you know, it, it just feels like an older demo. That's all. Kevin Costner, Brandon's Western. married. He's starting to you know. It's true. I had like a very kind of like nesting week this week i watched like yellowstone last night i watched the aisles night before i watched the sixers this is like kind of like a not typical week for me just like Hmm. kind of going nowhere being being in the apartment being bored um you get a lot of work done yeah this was a big by the way this was a big big week I think this is the most client inbound that I've had in many months, including earnings. It's been pretty much nonstop. Calendar has been like back to back to back to back to back to back to back. A part of it's obviously ventures, but most of it was actually research. It's pretty I, crazy. I also think, you know, you put out the top 22 and I think it provokes a lot of conversations and there was just a lot going it, on beginning it, of the year. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of trying to figure out this market. And um, I don't know, there seems to be like more of a focus on fundamentals than there has been the last several months. Uh, For whatever reason, I know this is a very macro driven market still, um, but maybe everyone's just trying to figure out, you know, what their ideas are for, uh, for the year 2022. And uh, holiday weekend, Walter has one of his teams in the playoffs. Joe Judge is fired. That's our thankfully. sports update. Thank, well, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, I was a little worried so, they weren't going to fire Joe Judge. Like, that was my initial fear is that they weren't going to do it. Like, at least they actually th- pulled the trigger th- and now we can reset and, like, sort of forget about this whole disastrous couple of years. Well, a couple of years. It's been a disastrous, like, 10 years. Yes. It is not good. And it's not going in the right direction. At least they have a we have lot two draft picks, right? Dra- two first rounders <laughs> right. and two third rounders, and obviously the second rounder is fourth. So, you know, a lot of draft capital to help write the ship, but uh, a bad cap situation. Anyway, this isn't a sports podcast. Let's get to the news. 
why don't you start us out with gaming, video gaming specifically? Video gaming, interactive media. Well, you get upset when I say gaming because everyone thinks, you know, I'm talking about sports betting or something like that versus another, another video big topic this week as well. Yeah. But um, we'll Fire start away. off with uh, Take Two. This is from Engadget Gaming, but it could have been anywhere. Take Two is acquiring mobile game giant Zynga for $12.7 billion. And this one came as a big surprise, at least to me, when I woke up. First of all, uh, Take-Two has is not known for doing very sizable transactions. This is obviously the biggest transaction they've ever done. Um, Strauss is very disciplined when it comes to acquisition. And This um, is a bigger acquisition than King at the time, right? Like just from a total dollar standpoint, this is... This is like a $12 billion. Yeah, but deal. don't don't forget King was down uh, on its luck um, at the time. Sure. It was trading for a very low EBITDA multiple. And a lot of the reason that Bobby did that was the idea that they could bring the multiple up to what the Activision Blizzard multiple was, um, which turned out to be smart. Here you have a situation where I think Strauss was being, you know, kind of value hunting, as he says he likes to do in this situation. You had Zynga down on its ass. I mean, it was trading at like six bucks sometime last year. It, it was uh, it was at 12, um, which was you know, it's high in, in a long time. Anyway, the strategic rationale behind this is you have an IP factory with the best IP in take two, and you're bringing mobile expertise onto, um, into the company to hopefully make mobile games out of your Red Dead Redemptions, your Grand Theft Autos, your NBA 2K, et cetera, et cetera, all of that top tier IP. Now, the question is whether execution is possible. And we have seen this playbook before, right? Glue was acquired by EA. Um, It's early, but we haven't seen the fruits of what that looks like in terms of translating your more core games into mobile. Has King really transformed Activision games? That's the big one, right? Um, If you look at what Activision Blizzard has done in mobile, they have one major release that was a hit in cod mobile that was built by call Tencent. of duty for everyone else that doesn't know what cod is like we do have some people that may not know what cod is they or think bobby it's okay. or strauss or all the okay. other inside uh, I mean, buzzwords that have been going <laughs> i'm trying walter i am trying to keep him <laughs> bobby, in the, bobby bobby kodak ceo activision blizzard strauss, thank you that's helpful to, we have a broad CEO, listening base i know that take, you think that everyone is just media insiders that calls everyone by their first names but this I'm trying to I'm broaden working this. On this. Trying to broaden I'm trying. Out. I'm trying. <laughs> but the but the bottom line here is there have been no games that have been successful made out of King besides games that were originally King. And mostly it's just the match three games that have continued to have success at King. There has been no translation of Activision Blizzard IP onto mobile that they've had anything to do with. So that's something to keep in mind right there. The other thing to keep in mind is um, that Zynga is giving up here, which means that this IDFA problem is probably not something that they thought they could solve, at least in the near term. Yeah, maybe not. I think solve might be a strong word. Maybe it's just harder. You know, maybe it's just the the pressure. It was greater than they thought. It wasn't as easy. And maybe it pushed them to realize that the merits of a combination. And remember, this stock went public at 10, 2011 or 2012. Like, I mean, you know, this stock essentially hasn't worked. I mean, look, for Frank Jabot, who is the CEO who came in, it's been amazing. He came in at two and he's leaving. No, at- he, he righted the ship. There, and he made a ton of money for shareholders. No, oh, of course. And his strategy was to buy or buy third-party studios. So they never actually had to build their own IP. To be clear, there was zero IP that came out of Zynga since they moved on to mobile. Every single thing has been bought. Yep. Agreed. Right. So at least you're you're merging with a company that you know is used to or has had success in building their own IP. But the execution what? of this, I'm not sure. Like, are the Housers going to go think, and work with Zynga to build a mobile game? Rockstar is kind of just, out on its own but anyway. On. 
shut up for a second. Let's step back okay. for a second. Does take two need to do this? Like, is does does this show anything? We know why Zynga wants to do it. There's no, it's there's nothing surprising about Zynga wanting to sell, given how the stock has not worked um, over a, you know an extended period of time. Why does take two want to do this in your mind? Like, what's the really the reason you think they felt the need well, to do a twelve billion dollar deal? Well, there's there's a couple of things, right? Well, f- first of all, um, they missed. They generally missed mobile. They've done a couple of small acquisitions, but they haven't had real mobile presence. We have talked, and I've and I've talked about this a little bit here about mobile games moving to more core games and the ability to utilize, you know, current devices, 5G, whatever it may be, in order to have console quality games on mobile. But the DNA of the company of of um, Zynga is not one to build those type of experiences. That's my number one concern. Now, it may turn out to be a great financial transaction. It is accretive, right? If you can worst case separate Zynga out and let it run siloed and we could and we could see what happens. But I wouldn't necessarily expect big things to come out of this combo in terms of um in terms of like being a game changer for either side. Should we uh, move on? Well, talk a little. Do you want to talk about the 45 day go shop? Sure. I mean, we could, before we jump over, we could just say like, you know, it was interesting that they put a 45 day go shop. The question is, is like, I haven't heard. I mean, it's been, you know, we've gone through this whole week. It's not like you're hearing tons of rumblings about lots of people jumping in. Maybe, you know, maybe it's still too early, but it's just interesting. Like, no, I think I think the best deal would be to put King together with with Zynga. Unfortunately, you know, Activision Blizzard is in absolutely no shape right now to do something like that. And then if you wanted to go the other way and spin King out to merge with Zynga, um, Bobby Kotick is not going to do that. He's into <laughs> building empire, not unraveling. So. But that would have been if you want to talk about conquering ID of Fay and having tons of first party yep. data and competing with the likes of App Lovin. Um, that would be a way to do it. Basically, that buy would, a big that publisher. Would be a, that would be a, the way to do it to put all those uh, casual games MAU together. Moving so on. So maybe we haven't heard the end of the story. Um, speaking of stories. Sinclair, which has been something we've been following for a long time in terms of their direct-to-consumer ambitions. This is from the Streamable. Sinclair finalizes Bally D2C streaming deal for 16 NBA teams. So, you know, after basically Major League Baseball at that conference, we had the Manfred video up on our podcast when he came out and said, like, we're just not doing a deal with Sinclair. I don't know what Chris Ripley's talking about. The NBA did a deal. um, And it's definitely surprising because it sounded like they weren't really gung-ho now they didn't do a long-term when you deal. say you don't know what chris ripley was talking about can you reference what specifically you're talking about what did chris ripley say and who is chris ripley chris ripley the head of sinclair said that they were going to get deals done with everybody uh, or they, they were working in, towards he said this in what forum this was a sports i think it was the world congress of sports i have to go back and remember which conference it was it was a few months ago where he basically said we're going to get deals done with everybody and launch a direct to consumer streaming service was so sort of his pitch to investors by, by everyone he's talking about both sides one the leagues nba nhl and mlb and he did do a four year nhl deal the MLB has not worked with him whatsoever and also deals with the distributors such that they their contracts allow them to go over the top. So that's what it, that's what, who everybody is. And but who- Ripley specifically said in answer to your question, Walt, he said um, that they would get these de- or they were getting these deals. And then um, Rob Manfred came out and said, we don't have any deals. We have four teams did direct deals, but the rest do not have deals and made it sound like there was nothing coming. The NBA was sort of a little bit vaguer, but definitely made it sound like there was no deals in place at that time. So anyone ask him and say, like, look, you said this and Rob Manfred seems to refute it. So and ask for a clarification. Did that ever happen? Um, yeah, a Morgan Stanley analyst called him out right? yeah, and, on and a conference was, call. And what was the response? 
he was ba- he just sort of you know continued to sort of play it down and obviously look he got his deal done play what the down NBA. he said that he had all these deals and then manfred yeah. said he didn't how do you play he's, that down it seems pretty black and white he's not the most trustworthy truthful human no i understand that but so, like just curious how he's i guess you're basically just saying he tap dance and didn't answer yes that's exactly. correct yes yeah, that's in typical fashion yes but but the nba did a deal and it's surprising it's you know in some ways i guess it, actually i think it's disappointing because i think Sinclair going bankrupt sooner, while it would have been problematic for the league, would have allowed for a better restructuring of the RSN business and the digital streaming rights. But essentially what Sinclair now has is they have rights to NHL teams, certain NHL teams and certain NBA teams to offer the in-market RSN as it is. So like the live feed, they can offer direct to consumer, probably at a 20 to $25 price point. They will need Charter and Comcast and DirecTV and, you know, obviously they don't even have a deal with Dish. All the MVPD distribution partners. Anybody that is, anyone who's distributing them, they need approval from them. That will probably require reduced fees or reduced distribution fees in return for allowing them to launch over the top. And then Sinclair- packaging flexibility, right? So generally the penetration minimums are 85% of the base that you're going to have to pay for no matter what. You bring that down to something like 60%, which allows the distributor the ability to tier out onto less distributed packages. Um, So let me just get this straight. Let's just think about this rationally. I can give you a guaranteed dollar or I can take 60 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar, and then hope to make it up by going out and spending aggressively to go market and create a new service that you're going to try to figure out if people want to take for the entire year. Only if their team is good, will they probably even subscribe for the full year in hopes of getting back to where you were before. It's the hardest transition we've discussed like so many times. The RSN transition, especially since they're such high-priced um, networks, is the hardest transition to over the top to make from a practical standpoint. You're talking about value creation or destruction. Um, Correct. And I think maybe the way some companies look at things these days are that if they have some type of streaming app that delivers some sub growth that that has a positive impact on the stock for the near term that multiple can use as an opportunity to sell into or not sell into, but Maybe that's how they think they create value, even though, you know, we might all agree there's no economic value created because there's, we could obviously talk about the meme stocks that are the funny ones like AMC and GME, but like even real companies that I'm not sure there's a lot of consideration in terms of intrinsic value. Look at Disney, right? Like Disney's stock prices moved with subscriber growth. And I think you have a situation here where Ripley's like, okay, let's go. I'll play that game too. Whether the net is value accretive or value destructive. Yeah, it works for Disney because it's who Disney is and it's, hey, they could be. That's not Disney specific. I think it's anything. Like you look at the wireless industry where a couple hundred thousand net ads on a base of 50 million or 75 million or even a hundred million move the stock or revenue growth, which is someone buying a higher rate plan because Netflix is in there. So there's no net positive in terms of service revenue, or excuse me, in terms of profit to the company it's just passed through, but it makes the revenue look better. And, you know, people buy the stock. So it's just intrinsic. So maybe that's ultimately the decision, Rich. You were going through the yeah. 60 versus a buck. And maybe it's just like, well, this is what the market wants. So let's whack them all. Let's give them, let's give them subs. It could totally be the the other piece of this that's interesting is it appears as part of doing this NBA deal that no one's talking about. Um, and we were going back and forth with John Arand on Twitter, and he basically confirmed what we've heard as well. Who's John that, Arand? Um, sports business journal reporter. Um, and <laughs> you're going to keep me really honest today. But what I just, was? I mean, look, we you can't just name people. I know this is like a media. Th- do, do we need to, to have like a glossary? Media again? analysts. <laughs> I, I've said this on this podcast before. Media analysts do this shit all the time, where they just call people out by their first name and just assume that everyone knows who they're talking about. Sorry, I'm I sure just, many of you do in the audience, but like for those of us that don't, this is this is going to be my new 22 resolution: is to just stop the podcast to to keep everyone. On the same page. Go on. I'm just going by Greenfield, by the way. 
one name. <laughs> uh, but but what I was going to get at was Eight the NBA, NBA can literally go direct to consumer more easily now in Sinclair markets. So there was a lot of negative covenants in their agreements with the RSNs that Sinclair owned that made it harder for the NBA to go direct. Those have been cleared away. And so the NBA can now more easily launch their own streaming service, combine it with League Pass, and actually offer a very compelling D to C product that's going to come. And so this isn't well, just Sinclair you, offering you did, their own product. You did not share with the audience the what really opens that up, which is the fact that these are rolling one-year deals that the NBA can get out of. This is not a sure. long-term agreement. So with those negative covenants going away, um, those negative contractual terms going away and combining it with the fact that th these are one-year deals, the NBA can easily pull the rug on Sinclair as soon as next year. And once they do that, they could launch, utilize those rights to launch their own um, over-the-top service with the likes of, you know, fill in the blank, Amazon, Apple. Well, I'm confused uh, though, because I thought, I purchased the Sixers to watch on NBA. Out of market. You're out of market. You live in New oh, York. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Got this it. This is, we're talking about in market rights now. Gotcha. Okay. So we're saying the package that you buy to buy to, to watch out of market. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk and direct TV. I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if this is Fanatics second big <laughs> pulling the bowl over everyone's eyes? <laughs> to uh to the top steal and just like tops like being lulled into security and then just getting fucked and then now it could be sinclair that would totally. be fun dude to i mean i'm totally thinking something like that is going to happen someone's going to partner like the nba is not going to do this themselves whether it's amazon or app like somebody's going to partner to help the the NBA to help major league baseball they're going to work with some form of streaming partners i don't believe they're going to totally do this on their own We'll see, but I just think that's the plan. And so, yeah, Sinclair can do and by this. By the way, another another thing that it solved was that getting that $600 million of financing in. The NBA does not want Sinclair to go bankrupt in the near term before at least they launch a successful over-the-top service because they don't want the disruption to eyeballs on their product and the uncertainty of who would control the rights coming out of bankruptcy. So allowing that other deal to get done buys them time i was just thinking of that asset that sinclair carries in their balance sheet that spectrum asset that they think <laughs> they can auction <laughs> yeah, good luck with that uh, you want to go dick uh direct tv dish walter i don't want to go to dick but i will go to direct tv <laughs> and dish in merger talks once again despite past antitrust concerns for our podcast listeners this is a tweet from the new york post and for our longtime podcast listeners, they probably know that this is a story authored by Josh Cosman. <laughs> Very so, creative, Josh Cosman. We, we really applaud Josh with his creative writing skills over the years. But Brandon, you know, I think there's an old saying that a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, <laughs> those that are no longer using digital clocks and the old analog ones twice and in this case look there's certainly smoke this is the year this is we put in the top 22 predictions um this year that we think this is finally the year that this happened but like to be clear i put i didn't predict it last year because of a variety of regulatory concerns but we did in 2020 and i didn't look back but i'm guessing i thought this could happen in 2019 um but look at&t had some issues with cnn and trump they punted this to TPG. TPG is incentivized to do this. Ergen has called it inevitable. You have some people saying like, oh, I can't get a deal done with er Ergen. That's fucking horseshit. I mean, Ergen has done plenty of transactions. There's a motivation to do it. The synergies you know, have reduced over time just based on the amount of customers. But um, I mean, I think that the crucial synergy is if if dish gets control and they're just going to be more aggressive with all your content players rich it should be an ugly situation well i mean that's the part that's sort of funny about all of this is that you know if charlie's management team like i think you and i've been talking about for a long time that like most likely scenario is 
like, I don't think TPG is going to control this, right? Like they're going to merge. They want to make money off of this, merge it in with Dish and benefit from what is a really compelling cost savings transaction. Like if Charlie's in control, Charlie hates sports. He hates sports rights. He hates retrans. Like he's been, you know, like his, his perspective on this business is that it's dying especially the satellite part of the business. So some of our listeners might be wondering, Rich, how is he in control? Because the asset that DTV is contributing is far larger. And for sure, the economic stake that ATT and TPG are contributing is going to be larger. But by providing control to DISH, there's possibly an opportunity for them to take advantage of the NOLs that are getting generated at the wireless business. We'll have to see what the ultimate structure is. But we would think that while the economic stake might not be a majority, there's certainly in the kind of you know mindset of liberty, <laughs> there's ways to structure transactions to have you know maybe a minority economic player um, have control of this thing. So that's we'll see. David Zaslav, David Zaslav. <laughs> plus, <laughs> by the way, plus in terms of just like running the asset and running it for cash, sure. I think you know having listened to Charlie over the last couple of years and things that he said about this, it seems like he would want not him to run it, but his lieutenants to be in control of this. hundred percent. And look at the free cash flow and margin performance of dish with less scale that they've been able to execute on relative to direct TV, which had much larger scale. I mean, they've just done a, um, as Troy Aikman would say, a heck of a job um, over there. In, in Denver. One other thing, Rich, is, you know, AT&T still gets distributions. So for all those AT&T haters that were calling for the short on the dividend cut, this is just more cash to fund the dividend and provide even greater coverage than exists at Verizon. Basically saying that you shouldn't be trading at a discount, that much of a discount to Verizon. And secondly, share repurchase. Like this is, this is more distributions means that once AT&T hits that bogey on debt leverage, that you're going to see AT&T turn into a share repurchase story probably in the 2023 timeframe. I do want to amplify one thing though. This is a kind of a nightmare scenario if you're a cable network um, because you're going from DirecTV who never really gave anyone trouble. I think the last time I remember DirecTV giving someone oh, trouble Viacom. was that Viacom deal. And that was like 10 or 11 years ago. There's a long, long time ago. Um, the RSNs, for instance, are fully distributed on DTV, whereas they're yep. not on DISH at all. So this, this will have real consequences on the media ecosystem if the deal does happen, even as much as, as all of these networks are trying to move to streaming. So Andrew Marchand um, has a story Um News, Apple's in serious talks to broadcast Major League Baseball games, the New York Post has learned. Um, obviously, this deal hasn't actually hit the tape yet. All signs sort of point to it being true. Uh, obviously, this is not Apple buying Sunday Ticket, which was part of our, you know, we said they or Amazon is likely to buy Sunday Ticket. Um, obviously, this is a much, much smaller check than what we're talking about with Sunday Ticket. But this would be the first sports rights Apple, I believe, has ever purchased. So, like, it's interesting just from new players coming into sports rights purchases. And I just keep thinking back to, like, Amazon started off with simulcasting Thursday Night Football. And now they've got Thursday Night, the actual exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football and are potentially buying the NFL media minority stake very shortly. Um, so, I don't know. It feels like a, this feels like a very big deal, even if it's not big dollars at the moment. I thought we debated this in an earlier podcast, and one of the three of us were saying we're making the argument that Apple should get into live sports and might possibly get into live sports. Do you recall that? I do think that someone named Walter Pysik <laughs> had a belief that it would happen. And I, I remember believe that Mr. Richard that Greenfield, argument. I believe oh. this guy, Richard Greenfield, said <laughs> that Apple did not want to do sports because they were more focused on spending money on entertainment programming. And I guess the truth of the story is with a $3 trillion market cap and hundreds of billions of cash, you actually can do both. Right. Exactly. And that was always yeah. the point, which is they have I don't, so much. I, I don't know why Eddie Q. Re- <laughs> do I have to say who Eddie Q is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> ridiculous. All right. Oh, this is um, amazing. I don't uh, know. So I, now, I'm, now I'm in I, your head. Now I'm <laughs> in your head. Sorry. 
I don't know why Eddie Q had resisted it. He wanted programming that had library value. And obviously sports doesn't have library value, but I'm sure he's seen that Amazon has actually had some success with some of the sports rights that they've acquired and are looking to do more. And it's a copycat industry, right? Yep. I also just think like high profile content, you know, it look, you can certainly make an argument. You don't, you don't need to do both. But there's no doubt for Amazon, Thursday Night Football is going to be a monumental event this fall, right? Like every Thursday. I mean, actually, the best ratings this year were actually Thursday Night Football in terms of increases. Thursday Night Football had great games this year. We'll see what it does to with those games exclusively on Amazon. But to the extent it actually means something to Amazon, and I think you're certainly seeing Apple getting excited about the brand Halo from entertainment content, if sports does the same thing for them, What's interesting is they can spend a lot more money in that category, and it's you know it's going to be interesting to see how how this step functions up. Whether because clearly there's step functioning up in entertainment programming. Do we see a step functioning up in sports programming over the course of the next several years? Let me just say a bit of a non sequitur, but like the I've been using my Apple TV more, and I have to yep. say like when you use that television app and how it's telling me the stuff that I was watching, whatever, whatever app it was, I was watching it, whether it was Netflix, HBO, it's, it is, it's been very, I know you guys like, um, the Google product and, and obviously Google TV, but the Apple TV app has been, you know, for a market that's getting more segmented in terms of the number of apps I have to go to, to find shit. And where, what was I watching last? And I can't remember anymore, which app was, which show, um, it's been good. And look, even HBO max itself as an app, within that ecosystem um, continues to, to improve in terms of surfacing interesting content that I want to watch. So there's a report out of the UK, the zone near an $800 million USBT sport takeover. Um, supposedly discovery is still in the running. It's not clear. This deal also hasn't hit the tape, but what what is interesting here is that at the same time that Kevin Mayer's Candle Media is rolling up every production company that isn't nailed down right now, <laughs> Kevin is is also um, non-executive chairman of, or I don't know if he's, I think he's non-executive chairman of DAZN. Yeah. And DAZN has essentially been two countries. It's been Italy and Germany, where they've made big pushes into acquiring football rights um, in Europe. But they're clearly trying to expand. And obviously, those rights don't go on forever. And so they're trying to expand to more markets and diversify whether it's to be sold, whether it's to be acquired, or sorry, to go public, they clearly need greater diversification beyond just Italy and Germany. This oh, would be yeah. a big, this would be big because UK is obviously a huge market for, for football um, in Europe. And this would give them a third major territory. I think they're trying to get into Spain as well. So trying to go you know, from two to sort of three to four would make a pretty big difference for, for DAZN in terms of their European footprint especially as they've sort of pulled out of the U S and they've sort of doubled down on football. Um, and, you know, look, I also think just from the standpoint, I mean, is of, there a competition for that asset? Well, that, that's what I was going to get at is like, you know, ESPN or Disney really has sort of seems like they've abandoned Europe altogether. Um, you know, you would think, you know, Comcast is obviously the competitor, you know, Sky, in places yeah. like, right. So they're not a buyer. Um, you have really companies I mean, like Discovery. Be, and, no? Oh, Discovery. Yeah. Well, Viacom, Discovery. I mean, you could say yeah. Discovery or Viacom, but like. No, but it makes sense for Eurosport because Eurosport, if you look at their collection of rights, is <laughs> kind of second rate. I don't think they really have anything in the UK, do they? And you know what David, David Zaslov, who runs Discovery, you know, whatever. Love sports. Um, loves sports and is interested in, as we wrote in our top 22 predictions, probably gunning it a little bit on content spend. And this is something that could be a, a, a bit of a catalyst for that to happen. A big right. debate so, among investors in terms of what he's going to do spend wise, that's for sure. I'll tell you this you know, spending time in Hollywood last month, mm -hmm. there's no debate there. Everyone thinks he's just going to fucking gun it. And of course, they think that they'll be the one he buys from. But <laughs> well, and every company thinks Discovery Warner Bros. Sorry, Warner Bros. Discovery. Everybody thinks Warner Bros. Discovery is going to buy them next. Like that is the hope of like 
anything that's like basically for sale. It's, the hope it's like it's real. like the tech world where everyone thinks Google's going to buy them next or used Correct. to before regulatory. Yes. Like Sinclair, <laughs> like Sinclair Direct, are they going to buy them too? <laughs> that, that you know, I think that'll be in bankruptcy before it gets bought, but we'll see. Um, so there's a deadline story. Paramount Plus picks up Premier League football rights in Central America, and then there's this story. Uh, the English Premier League is leaving DAZN Canada because DAZN is clearly focusing on Europe, not on Canada, uh, and moving to Fubo TV, um, where they're buying exclusive rights to EPL in Canada. The reason I put this in here is just, uh, you know, I think one of the things that you know Brandon and I have certainly been debating um, is is how much competition is there going to be for sports rights? Like, is there going to be this next cycle that actually moves upwards? Because I think we started to get nervous for a while. Certainly in 2020, if you know we were to look at our 20 for 20, you know, uh, top 21 for 21, I should say, uh, last year, we were talking about how sports rights were going to decline, and because we didn't see enough digital bidders, and I think what we're starting to see when you see what's happening with the zone overseas and then the EPL rights in Canada, um, in Latin America with Paramount Plus, it's really clear that the tech companies with these tech platforms, sorry, these streaming platforms. All of them. Yeah, I wouldn't call those tech companies. Right. It's the streaming the streaming platforms themselves need content and they they need content with dedicated audiences who are going to subscribe specifically for that content. So you're in a situation now where everyone has this great hope that they're going to make it as a streaming service. So they're willing to spend um, the bigger dollars for sports rights. What you will probably happen is that two or three years from now, um, these the services will realize, oh, we're not going to make it. And they'll probably pull back on spending. But you're in this ramp period right now. But what I hate about it, just from a high level, is they're all just renting content. They don't own this content. There's no scalability to it. It's like, why do we? Well, that was that. That was Eddie Q's whole point about sports rights in the first place, right? And why he didn't want to get into it. But Apple's right. obviously in a different situation from a balance sheet perspective than all these companies are. Well, but that's why I brought up. You know, I want to. I sort of audible this one to next, which is Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, put out um, an internal memo to his staff, basically talking about the future of Disney. And it talked all about franchises and content and use the word Disney, but there was no use of the word ESPN, no worse use of the word ABC. There was no use of the word cable network. There was certainly use of consumer behavior changing. And it just makes me think relative to what you were just talking about, Brandon, is like, should they really be focusing on ESPN and you know, buying, you know, I know we've talked about could they accumulate so many sports rights that they become the default location? But if you don't own the sports. Like we're not talking about UFC where, you know, Endeavor actually owns the UFC. But if you're just renting sports rights, is that really the best way to build a direct to consumer streaming service where you don't actually own the content versus investing in content that you own and control globally in perpetuity? Well, I mean, this sort of memo that he sent out and the lack of ESPN gets to the big question, which is, is ESPN in their future at all? And we kind of didn't about face on that in the top 22 this year. Do you want to discuss that a little, Rich? Well, I mean, we just said that if they're going to go out and buy Hulu for 15 billion, they're going to go out and have to invest in IPL in India. If they're going to have to spend tons more on Disney plus programming, you know, as they ramp that up, can they really afford to get rid of the cash cow of ESPN? And the answer in the short term feels like no. Um, it feels like you might be better off just doing a deal with a sports book, licensing your brand name, trying to get in some extra cash and sort of just use ESPN as a funding mechanism. But if if that's the case, especially if you have a company like Disney, who's been very conservative historically with leverage. But then you don't want to go out and buy Sunday ticket. You don't want to go out and spend tons more on incremental sports rights. You want to treat ESPN as a cash cow. We'll see whether they do that, but I felt like the memo certainly is leading you to either it's not a place for investment or it's for sale. Like it doesn't feel like ESPN is a core driver. Just the way that memo is written doesn't feel like ESPN is core to Disney the way it used to be. Agree. On Next. the 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, had, I, I, I had trouble clicking. That was my fault. But um, this is just Variety saying that the Pixar staff was extremely disappointed, in quotes, at Disney for streaming Turning Red. So they're basically taking the next Pixar movie, like the last couple, and is going straight to Disney Plus and skipping theaters. Now, all I have to say is, like, the team at Pixar is upset that their movie's not going into movie theaters in March when... Every movie other than Spider-Man is basically blown up. Like movie after movie is like Encanto, no money. Sings, I think, just did a hundred million dollars of like these movies are just getting torched at the box office. Like to think that like you're upset that your movies are not performing and you're upset that it's not going into the theater exclusively for 45 days. It just shows you how like. This is what makes Bob Chapik and all of these Hollywood executives jobs so hard is that they're not just fighting the financial pressures and the financial challenges. They've got talent, their own talent that doesn't care or doesn't want to acknowledge that consumer behavior is changing. It's just fascinating. Well, it's interesting that Disney continues to be flexible. Sorry, Walt. No, that's what I'm going to say. I was going to say make better product. You don't like it, make better product. Mimi, make a product that is so good like Spider-Man that you have to go to a theater that basically for the collective. Yeah. Make better product. Stop your whining and make better product. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, Hollywood is not really good at that part of it. And unfortunately, John Lasseter is at Skydance now. (laughs) Creating content, creating content for Apple. Uh, and I will for, say for anyone, do I need to, to podcast, explain who Brandon, John Brandon, is? No, Brandon, did Scarlet <laughs> like, did Scarlet like Encanto? Scarlet's too young to watch Encanto. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. She's, you know, but Scarlet for, just turned two. Okay. But it's just like animated things on the screen doing stuff and singing. So she, you know what she does like right now? Oh, don't Daft talk Punk. about Blippy. No, she, she's past Blippy already. Okay. Thank she God. likes Daft Punk. She likes to watch Daft Punk videos and dance. Don't know why. That's what she likes. Good for her. She likes those helmets. <laughs> Let's move on to um, Brandon. You want to read Joe Pompliano? Yes. The 2021 regular NFL regular season averaged 17.1 million viewers, the highest regular season average since 2015. For context, the World Series averaged 11.75 million viewers last year, and the NBA Finals averaged just under 10 million viewers translation the nfl is oh, still king this is yeah i think walt said it the best this is like the biggest no shit slide on earth <laughs> i mean it does like sort the, of amaze me that the, the world parody, series is bigger the parody in the in the in the in the nfl is great like the only way you can maybe fix non-parody leagues is what epl is, has with you know relegation and promotion and things like that but no way these other leagues can do that Look at the fucking games last week in the NFL. I mean, that last game, <coughs> but the Raiders, but the Raiders game, like the that Raiders game was sick. But, but but how many times during the course of this season did we have just great drama of games like that? Yeah. So the NFL by far is the best content. The only thing that frustrates fans is that these guys are making all this money, meaning the owners and the league. Can you please invest in better refs? Honestly, like. It's not even my own team. Like it just makes the games frustrating. Just how hard is it to to hire someone that's not obese and not and not able to make a call on the field? Get better refs. Put some dollars into it. It's not that hard. Thank you. Walt, I'm gonna tell you something that you didn't what? know, which is gonna surprise you. Our EIR adventures, Adam Ryan, mm-hmm. is a football ref. My God, really? Is he a line judge? (laughs) I don't know. He was telling me about how he gets graded as a ref and that the most important thing, and he said it's the same in the NFL, is how they look. So you know how like everyone talks about look. You like mean, literally mean, how they look people in their used uniform. to like bust on hockey league for pumping yes. up his arms and making yes. dumbest calls. Yes. Because he's like, oh, I read the rule book. So let me fi- figure out some stupid ass call to make to, so I can get on camera, flex my muscles. And like, isn't that, isn't that crazy? 
That's he, he told me, well, like, by the way, there's a lot of people that must season. be failing because there's a lot of people that don't look pretty good when I see them chuggling along to try and figure out where the guy where to spot the ball. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, he, he told me he's like, yeah, I can't have a beard during football season because that's like no refs are allowed to have facial hair either. And that's like at every level he does. He lives in Texas and he does Friday night lights. That's what hiring some more women. Women are very good at being judges on the field. More, more female refs NFL. Yankees have a female minor league manager. Now that was big news this week. Pretty exciting. Metaverse has to Uh, get into this podcast. Yes, of course. I heart media said today it plans to create events and experience is in roblox's metaverse um this is probably the least surprise the second least surprising tweet um because we've said it many times all media companies and all brands that want to have relevancy with especially that kind of tweens demo is need is going to need to have a place on on roblox and music is a huge opportunity overall um, for Roblox, whether it's in promotion of music, which is essentially what the radio is and has been, the role that iHeart actually serves, um, moving into virtual events and iHeart um, puts on their little, you know, I'll call them almost festivals because that, that's really what they are. These multi artist situations um, that they do uh, like jingle ball, which rich goes to every year. Um, Thanks and, for that, Brandon, just to, you know, pour salt in that, like, you know, wound. Salt. you love it, rich. You love Dude, going at jingle if, ball. You, if anyone has seen rich's TikTok, Instagram yeah. stories or anything, yeah. when he's at jingle ball, bopping that head around. Yeah going crazy <laughs> lifting up that badge that's called that the greenfield dance the head yeah. bop. And, and how did he, i not and get covid likes, i just don't know how i didn't get covid there like I have he's no trying idea to change the subject but he like takes he takes like instagram stories of him holding his laminate up to show off that like stop. he was backstage with bieber or some shit um so <sighs> stop pretending rich that you're not so so proud to be there right. anyway um, the ability to sell virtual goods. This is a theme that you're going to continue to see throughout the year um, from Roblox, more brands, more media companies. We've discussed it as ad nauseum. Um, the stock seems to trade on month to month, not even engagement, on, on month to month revenue growth. Um, so that's a problem right now. And you saw December was not the best ever. Um, month vis-a-vis expectations. I think it was only up like, you know, the data says, and we've kind of gotten confirm on this a little bit that they grew like 50, 55% month over month. Um, but now the stock started rebounding again. Why? Because the first week of January was good. Not a good look. Next. So Brandon is a Bill Gurley fanboy for sure, especially when he writes <laughs> One of Brandon's favorite topics, which is Brandon loves shop pay. Um, I think shop, I, I want to say that I think Benedict Evans actually was one of the first people to really start talking up shop pay and just how powerful it was. And that was probably four or five years ago, at least. And now I feel like I literally can't go into any merchant and not see shop pay as an option. Uh, you want to just sort Maybe of explain, Shopify merchant. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to just talk about sort of what Bill was sort of highlighting? Because I think it was well, an interesting I thread could, that I could, you found. No, I think I can just read his. Uh his tweet and Kaz's tweet following up the big winner of the 2021 Christmas was Shopify. Why? Because millions and millions of customers were introduced to their amazing shop pay product offering. Basically it's a singular e-wallet across all Shopify stores, storing addresses, credit cards, et cetera. This enables one click for all. I mean, it is the most amazing product. If you go to a Shopify store or a, an e-commerce um, store that you know uses Shopify, you press one button and literally you can check out. There is absolutely no friction to conversion. And that's pointed out in this next tweet by Kaz, which Rich just I'm pulled bringing off it back up. I'm putting it back. Sorry. Time. I was just, um, I thought you were going to talk for a minute. Sorry. Which says Shop Pay converts 
1.91 times better than regular checkout on mobile and 1.72 times better in general. We did the study across 10,000 stores over the course of 10 months worth of checkouts. And a lot of people continue to talk about, well, Shopify needs to have their own like their own kind of like unified storefront and become a destination. I don't think they need to. I think they just need to strengthen the tools that help their merchants. And one of the ways that one of the very strategic ways they've done it um, is through shop pay onward. Um, onward. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is Nielsen. So deadlines got a story. This was um Sort of woke up to this the other morning. NBC Universal confirms iSpot TV as additional ratings provider as a co- as company continues the quest for Nielsen alternatives. So NBC has been banging this drum for years, but especially in the last eighteen months, that there needs to be alternatives. That Nielsen is just not doing a good job. I think the how poorly they did during the pandemic was was really was the final nail um, in their you know sort of proverbial coffin like. The all the programmers want alternatives now. Um, they're not going to get rid of Nielsen in the short term. They're going to pay two companies, not one. But all of this is designed to have alternatives to Nielsen, not just for measurement, but as a currency to transact sixty-five billion dollars of TV ad dollars, and to be able to move away from Nielsen. I think NBC specifically feels like Nielsen did a horrible job of counting the last Olympics. And so iSpot specifically is coming in and it's going to help them do ratings for the Olympics, which is, I guess it's three weeks away. It's hard to believe that there's going to be an Olympics in China in the middle of Omicron or whatever, however I'm supposed to Omicron. say it. Whatever. I don't care anymore. I just don't, I, I, I'm obviously immune because I just can't seem to get it. I just get the flu. I can't even get uh, COVID at this point. Um, but Nielsen clearly is in trouble. And I think that's the major takeaway is that the more the network's are working with providers and using alternative ratings and using that as a currency to transact, the more Nielsen's contracts, you know, not, nothing's happening to Nielsen this year, but their contracts. Well, for they do. Years. They have a deal up at the end of the year sure, w- with NBCU, who is being the most aggressive in finding alternatives. So I don't know if, if a year is enough <laughs> is enough time for them to be ready to like move off Nielsen. And it's probably not, um, but they do have some leverage in that negotiation and you could start to see down deals for Nielsen. And that's the key. And I think that's one of the points we made in our top 22 for 22. But why don't we move on to um, sort of a what's become an interesting topic politically, which is sort of what's happening with Hollywood in China. So, you know, people probably realize Spider-Man, which despite massive box office, you know, well over a billion dollars, hasn't opened in China. We don't know if it's even going to get an opening in China. Right now, it appears like China is basically just saying no to Marvel um, and is just increasingly shutting down access to U.S. films. And even when they let U.S. films in, they're generally doing it later. So like in this case, Encanto, which came out in movie theaters in the U.S. months ago, probably was pirated heavily gets an opening in China, does $3 million. So like a token irrelevant number in China. So China can say they're letting U.S. movies in, but they're not really letting them in. They're basically letting them get pirated and then giving them sort of token releases. They don't generate box office. And it just, you know, I think more and more studios are probably starting to have to think about China as a zero in their revenues. And it's going to be interesting to see just how that changes. I mean, China numbers used to be, you know, could be hundreds of millions of dollars. And now we're basically just talking about that entire line item just gone. Yeah. I mean, you have something like Avatar 2 coming out in 11 yeah. months from now. What What is that going to mean for Avatar 2? I mean, it was more nascent in sort of the China um, theater cycle, but Avatar 1 was a big player um, and I a mean, big contributor. Avatar one, just to be clear, that was what, 2009? Yeah. Avatar one in China did. So out of the $2.8 billion, China back then, again, China, as you said, was a lot smaller. But even so back then, but, but even back then, China was $260 million. Yeah. I mean, so the, expe- now the that expectations number could be- for this film, you know, probably approached a billion dollars. 
now the splits are obviously way lower um but you know that's that's an impactful difference was it avatar one the movie that spawned all of the optimism for 3d and remember real d didn't you have a cell rating on that at the time rich and people were going to buy 3d things and like now it still isn't 3d is still an option in the theater i'm not sure anyone really ever opts for going to the 3d versions of any of these movies it's actually stunning that that entire wave happened like it's just it's like one of those like maybe cell phones remember there was a whole phase of like i think the i think um the who had the evo or something like that had a 3d and there was gonna be 3d screens without glasses and there was just a ton of investment dollars that went into this i wonder if it feels a little bit now that i think about it that 3d is kind of like sticking these facebook goggles on it the metaverse is what i'm talking about hey how many meetings have we had in the metaverse so far this year Oh, meaning where we put on goggles and we see each other? Yes, the virtual thing. Oh, we've done that a lot. What's the over-under on metaverse meetings, investor meetings in 2022? I wonder if we did one just for the shits and giggles of it. Like, would people even come? Like, if we did, like, a Facebook Horizon meeting just to, like... We should do it. We should do it. Just to, like, simply see whether we could pull it off. Like, get, like... Yeah, wonder, I wonder if we. I wonder if we invited Facebook, whether we could actually get them to, like, do a No, first we have to plan it. And then create a little FOMO, and then we'll see if if they want to drop in. <laughs> it's not a terrible idea. I mean, just to simply try it. Um, okay, you give me homework to do. All right, let's go. What's so next? our final our final slide is just sort of this comedy that keeps building um, in the stock market or the potential stock market. So this is um, Triller's going to IPO history in the making. Let's fucking go, Triller. So Triller is the wannabe TikTok. Um, I, I don't think anybody really uses Triller based on the engagement metrics. When I go on to Triller, I don't see a lot of yeah, but engagement. They, they, they were sponsored the Mike Tyson fight. They, they do a good job of creating events and they do a great job of giving celebrities equity and paying influencers and celebrities, which is a lot of what you see on the screen here. They do a great job of paying people to say they use Triller but there's no engagement like, you know, Charlie D'Amelio is on Triller, um, but her engagement is next to nothing. So like just because you're on a platform doesn't mean that's where your fan base is or where that where your engagement is. And so what's interesting here is Triller is essentially merging with Sea Change, which was an old cable VOD provider. It's a dollar stock. I haven't even heard the name Sea Change. Like, I don't think it's it's probably been seven or eight years be, be, since I've heard of Sea Change. They're merging. They're going to reverse merge this Triller asset, which couldn't find a SPAC partner because everyone thought this was unspackable. They're reverse merging into Sea Change. Unspackable. Now yes. that is a low unspackable. Bar. Right. This is unspackable, and now they're going to try to reverse merge into a shell to create a new company called Trillerverse. I have absolutely no idea. All I can say is I can't wait for this to be a public company. If this actually happens, like this is going to be epic. You know, I noticed this this a few days ago, someone on Twitter complaining about um, how they were getting more ads on on uh, TikTok. Rich, do you have a comment on that? I, I can't really speak to that because I still do not receive any ads on TikTok. But Rich, can you speak to whether you've seen more ads on TikTok or not? Is that true? I, I have seen ads on TikTok. I wouldn't say I've seen. I mean, first of all, Walt. I always they have see a like good what, amount. Don't they have like no, 400,000 advertisers? Yeah, but, but I see a good amount of ads all the time. Like, I don't think I've ever gone on TikTok and not seen a healthy clip of ads. Like, I usually get an ad when I open it up. Like, I don't know. This person was claiming that they were stacking more ads in there, just like people from time to time complain about Twitter stacking ads. Um, Maybe. I, I mean, I, I definitely haven't noticed. I mean, I, I will pay closer attention now that you're saying it, but I certainly haven't noticed well, thank anything. Thank you, because dramatic. as you know, I get no ads. I, 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 first of all, why? I just don't understand. Like, what is the special status you have on, like, you're like the king of TikTok. Like, they just don't want to give you ads. Well, I think, yeah, maybe we're on Zoom. Maybe they're hearing me say the word China a lot and TikTok. And somehow I'm a friend of friend of the family. 
they don't want to give me too many ads. You're just too vocal of a proponent, but I assume you have not used Triller Walt. By the way, I don't really get ads on TikTok either. Would you mind asking your kids as well whether they've ever used Triller? I would love to know whether any of your kids have ever used Triller. You can report back next week. Seems like Rich has found his next weakling to pick up. (laughs) Uh, look, every year we need something to kick this shit out of. So, Ubo's that I got a 12 handle. So, like, we'll see, you know, one day at a time. That is episode 89, everyone. Let's a little, little walk the line, Johnny Cash, as we go out. Brandon, would you take the Eagles plus nine? Whatever I say, you do me on your side. That's what I want to know. What, you what, which way is this? What are they? Plus nine. For you, yes. I know I'd even yeah. try to turn wow. the tide. Yeah, I think you're probably because right. I think they probably Plus nine, yes. nine points. When's I the game? Is it Saturday or Sunday? It would be Sunday at 1 o'clock. So, that's so we a good should time not disturb you between 1 and 4 on that's Sunday. That's true. Uh, that's a good time to... Uh, I, do, I should not be asking you on, on Twitter. It is a three-day weekend, Rich. Rich, it's a three-day weekend. So, you know, you, you could spread the interactions out over three days. For the tie that we'll see you next week, everyone. Go Birds. I walk, I walk the line. The line.